0: we
1: and welcome to How I Got Here. I'm Olivia Berkman. And today I'm speaking with audit and assurance partner at Deloitte, Thalia Smith. As you'll soon learn, Thalia is passionate about mentoring and developing the next generation of accounting leaders. And today we're going to talk about her career journey, as well as her involvement in an exciting new initiative at Deloitte. You're going to hear all about that. So Thalia, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation.
0: Olivia, thanks so much for having me.
1: I'd love to start with your background. You have a very interesting story. Tell me about where you grew up and, and school and, and et cetera.
0: Gosh, we're starting at the beginning. I see. Uh, so I, I actually grew up in the Bahamas. Um, I am the second of four kids. Uh, my mom was a teacher. My dad worked for the sanitation department. Um, of my four, of my three other siblings, I was the only one that decided to go to college. Um, and everyone literally lives within a mile of each other. Versus, I'm here living in the in the big city. Uh, so I moved to New Jersey for college graduated college here and then started working for Deloitte. And I've been with Deloitte about 20 years now. And I currently live in, in New Jersey still.
1: So tell me about that, you being the only person, you know, only sibling going to college. Was that, was college, like as you were growing up, was college something that was a conceivable option for you? Or what was your kind of family's outlook at college?
0: That is a fantastic question. So when I think about it, I was always book smart. Right. And so, you know, I think generally when you're book smart, you think you're going to college, but I will be transparent. I had no plan for getting there because of just, um, you know, some of the financial constraints of going to college. And so, um, quite frankly, literally through to uh, my first semester in 12th grade, I thought I was going to the local college in the Bahamas because if you had a certain GPA, you went for free. And so think of it like you're your local community college. Right. And so that was the plan. And I was just uh, super lucky that that during that 12th year, a university in New Jersey came over to the Bahamas because they were looking for, for opportunities to expand their student pipeline and particularly with regards to diversity and um, you know they were looking for students with a certain criteria and they were providing either partial scholarships or full scholarships depending on um, an an exam and after I took the exam and did an interview they offered me a full ride um, to this university in New Jersey and and interestingly enough I had to convince my parents to let me leave home given again no one else had left i had to convince them uh to let me leave and, and come to new jersey and, and really the rest is history
1: i'm imagining from your parents perspective i think because i'm pregnant i'm like in that <laughs> mindset but i'm like oh they're probably such a mixture of like really excited and proud but also like what a foreign you know thing for them and probably scary you are absolutely
0: right. I mean, again, coming from the Bahamas, we'd heard about New York. New mm-hmm. Jersey was this where even, where, <laughs> where is even New Jersey on the map, right? And so that was a part of it. And then when we found out it was in the north for me personally, finding out that it snowed
1: there. Again, coming from
0: the Bahamas where I've never seen a day of snow in my life. (laughs) It it, it was just, it was um, an interesting decision. I was fortunate enough that um, two other females from my school had also gotten scholarships. And so I think collectively we got together and we got our parents comfortable with, you know, we have each other, even though we're going to be thousands of miles away, we have, we have each other. And so um, here I am. Yeah, that's great.
1: And you described yourself as kind of book smart. When when did you really start getting interested in accounting specifically?
0: Um, I'm pretty sure I was eight years old and, wow. and there's a story behind it. Um, I always liked math, right? I loved math. I loved numbers. And so I knew I wanted to do something with that. But at eight, you, you don't really know what accounting is, right? And so I, my older sister, who was five years ahead of me, happened to take her first accounting class in, in high school. And she came home one day with her, her, her homework and she's sitting at the desk and she's doing it. And I look at I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is that? I see numbers. I see like, you know, dollar signs. There's money involved. What are you doing? And she says, you know, I'm doing my accounting homework. And that for me was this moment of accounting wait, that might be something that I could be interested in. And I kid you not, from that moment on until I I got to high school, I could not wait to take my first accounting class to validate that this was the career for me. And again, you know, here I am 20, 25 years later.
1: That's amazing. I always am jealous of people that have that real kind of like tunnel vision for themselves and passion. Um, did you ever have doubts? It doesn't sound like it. Did you ever have doubts that it was the right career for you?
0: Um, I wouldn't say doubts with regards to accounting broadly. I think, you know, one of, and and one of the things that I'm actually trying to solve is part of the made commitment that I'll Mm -hmm. talk about shortly, I didn't know the the breadth of what I could do within mm. the profession. Right. And right. so admittedly, um, when you take accounting and I took it in high school and I took it in college, you really tend to focus on mostly the debits and the credits of things. Right. And so at some point you're really like, boy, isn't this boring just debits and credits but there is so much more that we do within this profession that as i spent more time in it i, I just came to love it more and more and i wish we could and, and this is what we are trying to do bring more of that into the high school environment and into the college environment so it kind of it, it invigorates and inspires um, the next generation a, a bit more than i felt at the time
1: So you had an interesting experience preparing for the CPA exam. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yes. Uh, So as a bit of background uh, for your viewers, in order to sit for the CPA exam in most states, um, you have to have, well, at a time, there was a question of having 150 credits. You're now allowed to sit with 120 credits in a lot of states, but in order to be certified, you have to have 150 credits. Again, as I alluded to in the beginning as I thought about um, you know, the, the, the financial constraints associated with me getting 150 credits, which would mean I would probably have to spend more than four years in university to do that, right? When you think about my scholarship, it was for four years. Um, it, it really did um, cause me to have to think creatively with regards to I've been working towards the certification. How do I ensure that I have? What, what I need in order to get there. And so, um, admittedly, I was at the very end of the transition from the 120 to the 150. And there were about three states at the time that still had the, you can come and sit. <laughs> um, the exam with 120 credits. And so even though I went to school in New Jersey, I actually sat the exam and passed the exam in Delaware. And then I was able over time to, to take that certification and get licensed in other States that I operate in now.
1: Tell me about your transition from the national office at Deloitte. What was that like for you?
0: Right, and so as part of our national office, we get to do this really cool um, program that's called our management development program, right? And it really is to help you know build future leaders within the organization. I spent two years in, in our in our national office in this program, and then you transition back into into full client service, and so as I was coming out, I was approached by a a partner who had this amazing opportunity with regards to a client of ours that was about to undergo a a major business acquisition that would take them from being in 10 countries to suddenly being in 50 countries. And he approached me and said, Thalia, I want you to come and work on this project and lead this project as the lead manager. And I um, quite frankly, remembered thinking, why, me? why, why am I capable of doing this? Am I capable of doing this? And, and I actually told him no. Quite a few times, right? I suffered from um, what has been termed this imposter syndrome of I don't think I'm capable of actually doing this. Um, you know, quite honestly lucky for me, he was determined. And he just kept asking and asking and asking. And, and there were two things that that struck the pivotal moment of me finally saying yes to him after months of him asking. Um, the first thing that he did was I remember after, you know, one more conversation of saying no, I went to bed and woke up the next. Next morning, and he had written for me a pros and cons list of coming to work for him and working on such a major major acquisition. Right, and and um, I mean, and his name is Rajiv Basu. He had been a sponsor from that day forward. I just knew. I needed to work, I never worked for him before. From that moment, I knew he was someone that I needed I needed to work with, I needed to work for, and he has been a huge sponsor of my career um, from that, that day forward, and that was in 2010. Um, the second thing that I had just gone through, a. we have a number of programs within our organization, part of the reason why I love Deloitte, um, and there was a specific program focused on women, and you know there was this 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 statement made during one of our sessions with regards to typically um, when a job is posted, if there are ten individual pieces of criteria within that posting, um, women will look at it and they will say, I have to have nine or ten. I have to meet nine or 10 of these criteria in order to apply for this job versus more times than not, men will look and be like, oh, I got at least three things on here. I will figure the rest out, right? And so for me, that was a triggering moment of, you know what, what have I not figured out in in my career to this point? Um, While I have never worked on anything like this before, I think that if I apply myself um, and I obviously have the support of partners like Rajiv, I I can do this. And so I said yes. And that decision was an absolutely pivotal change in my trajectory within the firm.
1: Has that made has that experience made you approach uh,
0: challenges
1: in a different way? Yeah, from that
0: point on. Absolutely. There is very little from a from a challenge perspective that I say I say no to at this point. You know, it's absolutely built my confidence. Um, And quite frankly, I think probably more so than others. Right. I, I think when you build the muscle of saying yes to challenge, it's easier and easier to do it versus if you haven't built that muscle, every time something new and, 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 um, more complex comes along, you are more likely, and I've seen this, you're more likely to say, to say no to an opportunity And, and challenge breeds opportunity.
1: Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I felt that there was a period of my career where I, when new opportunities presented themselves, my instinct was to like doubt myself and, and sort of like hedge a little bit. And then the experience of taking on a very big project, uh, really, you know, and, and not having like, of course, immediate success, uh, but having some success and, and learning. And I think, that experience has really changed, you know, the way I approach challenges now, which we all need to have that experience at some point, I think, especially as women, I'll say it sounds like. And so I want to ask because you've been at Deloitte so far, you know, your entire career, Mm -hmm. how, how have you known that it is the right place for you? And then I guess I know you're a mentor to others and, and what are some of the signs that you have identified that a, a job might not be the right fit for somebody, or it might be time for them to move on?
0: Yeah. So I spent a lot of time answering this question, um, mm-hmm. given that, you know, the work that I do with recruiting in particular, and then um, the mentoring roles that you mentioned. I, I think there are a number of things that, that quickly come to mind. Uh, first and foremost, I look at the person that I was when I started the firm, um, the person that I am to the day, and the person that I could be you know, another, let's go with 20 years from now to retirement, right? And I've seen myself grow. You know, I, I, my, my simplest example is I'm an introvert. A lot of people don't know that. Then I probably somewhat converted into an ambivert now, but if you had met me 20 years ago, I was that shy girl that wanted to sit in the back of the room and if nobody noticed me, I was happy and content with that, right? And I've seen myself grow to the extent that I lead large teams. I've sat in front of a room or stood in front of a room of hundreds of people um, presenting on various topics, right? And so introvert to that. And that's just one example of the growth that I've experienced over, over the last 20 years. And again, I continue to see myself grow each and every every day. And so for me, that was one of the critical elements of this is what Deloitte has done for me, not just as a professional, but as a whole individual, that's part of the reason why I'm here. Um, the second thing, and I've alluded to this time and time again, is this, the sponsorship, which I'll turn into the just general relationships that I have built uh, within this organization. Um, you have you know working relationships that turn into friendships, friendships that turn into family right um, here within this organization. And, and and that for me is important. Having that support system, again, not just from a professional perspective, but also um, a personal perspective as you go through the various phases of your life, right? You're about to go through uh, another amazing uh, phase of life and, and that's how we have supported each other. Um, you know, the third thing that I would note is, um, and uh, again, I can, I can talk through a number of things, but the third thing I'll end with is, I love that Deloitte allows me to work on the things that I'm passionate about, in addition to serving my clients with with excellence and distinction, right? And so I wanna work for a corporation who who sees that purpose and passion are important to me and actually, uh, again, supports me and propels me to do those things. And and that has been my experience uh, with Deloitte. And so um, as I mentor, uh, younger professionals, or even in talking to high school students about, you know, where their, their futures um, could go. I really do tend to lean on those things of, you know, who will you be working with? What will you be doing? And how will you feel? And so the passion and the purpose um, with regards to that, um, those are the things that that should drive a decision as to where you should be.
1: Yeah, I love that. And you don't have to settle. I mean, the things that you've described uh, I totally understand why you would you know stay in the same place, and uh, you know you talked about being an introvert. And I'm so glad that you shared that. I I wonder, like, how did you hone your public speaking skills? Because obviously, that's become a big part of your uh your day to day. So, how did you work on that? Was it just is it just a lot of practice, or what? How'd you do it?
0: I know cliche. But practice makes perfect, and I'm not perfect in any way, shape, or form. But let, let me give you examples of practice to, yeah. to bring it home, right? Um, the two simplest examples that I can put out there I, I started doing it in um, places that were safe, right? And so, as an example, the safe places, you're a young manager, and we're holding trainings for new hires. What's safer <laughs> than um, a standing in front of a room of new hires who don't know this job? I mean, you know it better. You've been doing it for years and you now have the ability to train them in the way of the role, right? And so I started in safe places and then I kept building on that. I kept building on it, right? And so um, that would be my recommendation of you don't, you don't have to start in front of a room of 500. That's a tough ask. Um, Figure out what's your safe place to practice and then you can't stay there. You have to build on it as time passes. Um, the second thing that I would note, and, and particularly again when you work in the environment that we work in, where you're working in teams or you're spending time in client meetings, it was that practicing speaking up in a meeting. So, you know, you can be in a room with 20 people, and more times than not, an introvert might not chime into a conversation, and um, you you can't do that per se if you want to maintain your relevancy. As, as part of a team and as part of serving your clients. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I practiced um, was I don't need to be the, pers- the loudest voice in the room or the voice that speaks for the significant amount of time. But I should not leave a room. And I haven't said one thing. And you can determine what that one thing is. It could literally be to say, I agree with you know, person A, and here's an additional perspective to add to that. Or it could be to ask a a very thoughtful question, right? Because that also shows you were listening, you process, and and here's a thoughtful question to keep the conversation going. Um, That has been some of the tools that I've used. I mean, I received um, uh, feedback, quite frankly, coming out of a meeting when I was a manager where a senior partner walked up to me because I had not said one word in a meeting. And he said, you were invited for a reason we want to hear your voice. I don't want to ever see you in another meeting where you haven't said anything and and that has stayed with me um, since then.
1: Wow. I'm guilty of that. Um and I love that advice or that I guess that confidence boost that he he gave you. Um uh, so uh, we did talk about mentorship uh and soon we're going to get to the the made uh program but you are very passionate about mentorship mm-hmm. uh I believe that you've mentioned to me before that you've had many mentors in your career and in your life. Um, What advice do you find yourself giving most often to your mentees?
0: I I mean, I think first and foremost, relationships matter. Relationships are, are, we use the term in the firm relationships are currency. Right. So when you think about what does money get you when you go into a store, right? It it gets you it gets you something of value. Relationships can do that same thing. So that's probably one of the first things I say, because we tend to use the term, oh, you should network. Network is surface. Relationships are deeper. And so um, I tend to say you want to spend time building relationships. And quite frankly, you should probably spend as much time building relationships as you are heads down at your computer um, executing your work. First and foremost, um, uh, that would be uh, the key thing. Um, I think teamwork, you know, having a spirit of teamwork is important. And, you know, I'm typically someone who who likes to be in a team environment and and to not just get something out of it for me, but to support others. And I think that's important um, in building relationships. And so I tell a lot of people, um, it's important to practice looking beyond yourself. seeing how can you how can you serve others right and and um, you know sometimes you serve as a follower and then what I really try to build this is again coming back to a passion of mine I'm a servant leader I like building servant leaders right that that is my passion helping others to be leaders who serve the greater good and so um, I do spend a lot of time uh, uh, mentoring my mentees on service and, and being a part of a team and, and helping others. Um, not, I could have, there's such a long list of things, right? Not being short-sighted, um, you know, thinking about your long-term goals, right? I'm not saying that you need to um, create a plan for 10 years out, but I think you need to have a big picture vision of uh, what you may want to accomplish. And then in doing that, come up with shorter term goals for for how you may get there and create as much. You know opportunities and alternatives and possibilities as um, as you can so there there are just so many things that are out there i i love i love coming back to my passion i love mentoring and so i probably spend i would say four to eight hours a week just in in, in mentoring conversations uh, with different professionals throughout throughout our organization
1: wow i I, this this really ties into we've talked a, a lot about the the made initiative mm-hmm. so this is making accounting diverse and equitable yes. uh, and so I want to know first like like right at the beginning mm-hmm. um, was your love and passion for mentorship do you think that was I'm sure it was a contributing factor as to why you were chosen for uh, the initiative and and tell us about you know how the how the initiative came to be.
0: So um I've not been told <laughs> I, I'm gonna be transparent exactly why I was chosen, but I do believe that you were right, right yeah. when when I think about what was needed to to create, because I mean, really, this was a this was a commitment and the, and the programs that we have within the commitment did not exist prior to a year and a half ago, right? And so when I think about um, what was needed in order to create and then execute against our, our made commitment, um, a part of it was someone who could get stuff done. And, and quite frankly, that is my reputation when it comes to serving my clients and all the other things that I've done. And a part of it was a, a passion for our people and an, an understanding of that, right? And so, so um, I absolutely do think as as our my senior leaders were looking for someone to take on this role, and they asked, "Here's what we're looking for: we're looking for someone who can get stuff done and who has a passion for our people." I do believe my brand, along those lines, um, allowed my name to to rise to the top of the pile, and and here is where I am today. I haven't been told that officially, but that that is what I believe. Yeah, and that's I've why brand that. brand is brand is so important. Yes.
1: We talked about um, earlier when you kind of were discovering accounting and maybe you thought it was one thing and you've Mm -hmm. really come to learn that it's it's -hmm. much more than that. So how does that play into the Made
0: initiative? Perfect. So. You know, one of the things and, and to take a quick step back to, to to prove what we're somewhat solving for here. Right. Um, when you look at the number of college students that are graduating with an accounting degree and then those who start within our, our, our corporate America and within our, our big four accounting firms and other accounting firms, and then those who also pass the exam, that number is a small Fraction of the whole, and, and and I'll use the easy statistic of the CPA exam, less than 5% of certified public accountants, which is one of the highest certifications uh, within this profession, or the highest, um, less than 5% are Black and Hispanic or Latinx. In a country where Black and Hispanic or Latinx make up about thirty to thirty-five percent of the country, so just think about that divide, right? Um, And so we took a step back, and before you try to like solve for a problem, you have to understand what are the underlying or root causes or barriers associated with the problem. And so when we took a step back, one of the first things that we we recognized was, you know, what accounting isn't sold as as a as a viable career path within Black and Brown communities, right? It's not. It's not. talk to gains, but it isn't because of the limited number of us that exist of um, at senior levels, it isn't something that's well known within black and brown communities. Right. And so our first step was we we need to first go out and share the message of Hey, we exist. And there are successful, um, there are successful leaders out there who look like you, but you can't just stop there. It becomes what's what's the value proposition. Right. Why should I do this? And and two things tend to resonate. And I'm sure it resonates, um, you know, with with all, but specifically with our, our black and brown youth, two things tend to resonate. The first thing is that this could really change your your trajectory. Um, from where you started. Right. And so um, there are so many uh, young people who have the same humble beginnings that I did, where you come from a low middle income family and um, the possibility of, you know, being able to someday I don't know, own your own car because you've been only taking public transportation, you know, all of your life. Or the fact that, hey, you could have your own bed because you've been sharing a bed or sleeping on the couch. Um, you know, again, just because of the your your humble beginnings. Um, that's a part of the story, right? Sharing the trajectory of how this could, quite frankly, change, change your life. And then um, the second thing is, you um, For a lot of of, uh, youth in our black and brown communities, the support of family is one of the burdens that continues to exist as as you move on, right? And so I'm being able to say, and I've shared my own stories, hey, I've been able to help my family through this profession, um, you know, support my parents, uh, support my siblings, support my nephews, um, and and do, you know, some things are more, you know, critical life things and other things are just fun things like a vacation. Um, those are the types of things that, that we share, um, in addition to sharing here are all of the different types of ways that you can be an accountant. Beyonce has an accountant, you know, and they go, wait, what? Yes. Beyonce has an account- accountant, you know, she, she makes no decisions, business decisions without probably talking to her accountant. And suddenly it becomes, this could be cool. I love that. <laughs> Tell me about the goals for the program, how you're
1: going to measure success. So it's still early days. but
0: yeah. And, and. Um, We recognize uh, we cannot measure this in a year, right? I mean, so our our starting point is a five-year window is is the starting point of it, and and you were spot on. Uh, We have a number of KPIs, and they really do start with um, how many students have we touched with our message, right? And so, for example, we have a goal of getting to um, hands-on walking into high schools and talking to 9,000 students. Uh, throughout the year, across the country, um, I think we're going to bypass that number, but that is that is our starting point of talking to nine thousand students, and we track that. How many students have we touched with this message? Um, we are hoping to go digital this year, where we can take that because we realize nine thousand is not enough. But there's only so much you can do, um, you know, being on boots on the ground. Um, so we're hoping to go digital this year, where we can multiply that number into you know hundred thousand or more. Um, that is the first goal. And then we'll be able to track the AICPA, which is the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, does a study every every two years at a at a minimum, but sometimes it might be every year, um, where they track how many students are opting into the profession within the universities, right? And so Every year we will continue to monitor the stats coming out of that study with regards to, wait a minute, there seems to be a spike in the number of high school students that are opting into the accounting profession, right? And so that's another statistic. Are we increasing the numbers? And then it becomes, um, you know, we have goals within our own firm. We know that corporate America has goals with regards to increasing their diversity numbers. So we'll continue to monitor um, uh, those numbers specifically. CPA exams. There, there is data there. And then, last but not least, because I would be remiss if I if I did not hit on this, um, we know when you look at statistics with regards to senior leaders within corporate America that there again continues to be a, a very small percentage represented uh, by Black and and uh, Hispanic or Latinx uh, professionals. And so, we'll continue to track you know how many more chief accounting officers or chief financial officers are are, are you know are diverse and um maybe moving in those roles due to some of our efforts and so those are the types of KPIs that we're looking at just following the numbers from high school through to senior leadership
1: yeah it's incredible i <clears throat> i can sort of predict what you might say but what excites you most about the future of the profession
0: what excites me most about the future um Oh gosh! I just think so. I, mean, I think the easy answer is let's go with the easy answer, and then I'll, I'll layer onto it. Okay. Um, I mean, clearly, I think there is such an opportunity for us to change um, the the gap in the statistics with regards to diversity. So, of course, I'm passionate about that, right? Yeah. I I find joy in others experiencing what I've experienced, right? And I tell a lot of people, I got lucky. If you think about it, if my sister had not come home. And done her homework in front of me. I don't know if I would have have found accounting or taken accounting, right? So, and and then my life has just gone on a path that I could not have imagined at that age. I find joy in others um, getting to experience this and and enjoy the same things that I've I've been able to enjoy over the last. I won't tell you how old I am, but over the, the couple last couple decades. <laughs> Um, so, that for me is what I'm excited about, the change there. Um, the next thing I will note though is I, I do think the beauty of accounting is one of the messages that we share. Accountants are everywhere, right? And because we are everywhere, we have the ability to actually play major roles in some of the the, 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 the major changes that are happening within society and within corporate America, right? And so, when you think about ESG as an example, right? There is a lot going on uh, with respect to ESG. Um, We are looking to play a part uh, and we have started down the journey of playing a part of um, validating the commitments that corporate America has made with regards to ESG, right? We have a role to play in that. Um, when you think about the fact that, you know uh, you have an opportunity to to invest, for example, in certain funds uh, that support ESG efforts, we play a role in, again, validating the companies are doing what they're saying, the, what they say they're doing with regards to investing in ESG funds. There's just so much that, um, we can have a seat at the table on with regards to broader society that I think we didn't probably have in in days of old. Um, and, and that's proving the relevancy of this profession. and I love I love feeling relevant. Uh, I love feeling relevant and that i'm I'm driving a change beyond just coming back to the debits and credits that we tend to learn uh, right. within schools.
1: right. And I think that it makes a lot of sense with this next generation coming up. You know, they care about the world, they care about their impact on the world, they care about, you know, finding passion in their, in their jobs. And so it makes sense. It's it's a great fit for them. It's a great career path for them when they can see it that way, Yeah, you know, and, uh, and Thalia, that was my last question for you, but I just love your passion and I want to thank you for the work that you're doing to advance the profession and and to bridge that diversity gap. And, uh, and I really just looking back on our conversation, I love what you shared about staying at Deloitte and the support system that you have there and the investment that they've made in your development because i think for those watching this uh those are really important things to look for and they shouldn't settle you know uh, on on not feeling valued um and not having that uh i mean you described a family which is really you know, something to aim for. Um, But I I just love what we said there.
0: Yeah, definitely not an exaggeration. I mean, it is is truly what I've experienced. And like I said, I I hope that more can have the same experience too. So, I mean, Olivia, thank you so much for having me. I was super excited to be here. I'm always happy to share my story and and, um, more about what our firm Deloitte is doing. Um, So I appreciate the invitation. Thanks again. Thank you.